In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We all enjoy a little mystery. Every other week, one strange thing presents forgotten stories from America's newspaper archives. They all have something in common, a single element that can't quite be explained. Join us on One Strange Thing, and you'll hear about a man who was literally stricken with genius. A 21st century child who remembered piloting a World War II bomber. A mysterious, unidentifiable blob in Texas. And then there was the lizard man stalking through small-town South Carolina. From cryptids and disappearances to modern-day miracles, one strange thing brings you stories that are very real and just a little otherworldly. Subscribe now, wherever you listen. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, what really happened to Lady Di? Was it a car accident or something more nefarious? A former healthcare worker turned author examines the what if it was actually a royal murder. Her blood pressure was like 70 over 50, which is very low. That indicates internal bleeding. And there's no way they can deal with the internal bleeding in the ambulance. They have to get her to the ER and operate on her and stop the bleeding. But like I said, 108 minutes, 109 minutes, it upset me, because I know that I used to work in ER, I know the protocols, and it should be, they had to get her to the ER and operate. Either there's incredible incompetence or there's something even darker there. And I don't think any doctor is that incompetent. 
This podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Paranormal Contractors. Maybe you have a problem and you don't feel comfortable discussing it with friends or coworkers. There is something going on, but you can't explain. Maybe it's, dare I say, something paranormal. This is no time to be dealing with amateur ghost hunters. You need to bring in the professionals. Paranormal Contractors is a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners, and they use the latest technology to investigate, authenticate, and yes, remediate your ghost or demon problem. Call them right now at 1-866-724-0800. 1-866-724-0800. Or email them at paranormalcontractors at gmail.com and tell them Richard sent you. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday, and welcome to episode 200 of Conspiracy Unlimited. And let me take this opportunity to thank you all for your continued support and for listening to this podcast, which launched back in December, 2017. And since that time, over 2 million unique downloads. That's about 200,000 unique downloads a month now, and there is no sign of it slowing down. And a special thanks to my sponsors, of course, Christian Decadure from Paranormal Contractors and Ronnie McMullen from Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. Speaking of Christian, it is Friday, so he'll be dropping by to talk about tricks of the trade of paranormal investigation. But first, Roman Clay is the author of Death of the Queen of Hearts, a fictionalized account of the murder of Princess Diana back in August of 1997. And I have to say, it's a blistering page-turner that draws a royal curtain back that reveals evidence. Princess Diana's death in Paris in 1997 was no accident, as her son Prince William reportedly once suspected. Roman Clay, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Very fine, Richard. Thank you for letting me visit. In Death of the Queen of Hearts, you've changed the names, you've changed the places, the dates, but it is quite obviously about the supposed murder of Princess Diana. So why write it as a piece of fiction? Uh, There's a famous quote by Albert Camus, the uh, French writer who I think won the Nobel Prize. He said, fiction is is the lie for which we tell the truth. And in a lot of ways, it's true because, you know, novels are are not about facts, but they're about something else, even more elusive and even more important. And sometimes it's the truth. Just give us a quick synopsis of this story. Well, the journey for me began on Labor Day Sunday in 1997 when I awoke and I was shocked to hear that Princess Diana had died in an automobile crash in Paris. And though I wasn't yet a Diana fanatic, I was stunned and saddened. And then later on, because I work in the healthcare field, I researched what had happened to her that night in the Alma Tunnel where the crash occurred. And it was very disturbing because I could tell the medical treatment that Princess Diana received 
was really, they ignored all the standard protocols and, um, you know, it was almost like medical mistreatment. I was kind of really involved in it now and I decided I was going to write a book uh, based on the my findings, but in order to make it a compelling read, I decided to write it as a novel and change all the names, and that's how Death of the Queen of Hearts was born. And in your book, we begin with the 21st birthday of Prince right. James, who, of course, is Correct. supposed to be Prince William. So Prince Correct. James, instead of attending his uh, royal uh, birthday, he decides to duck out with friends, and then he begins to uh, to follow these clues leading up to a video he discovers uh, from his mother, a posthumous video left to him by his dead mother, who is, of course, Princess Diana in real life. And this leads him into investigating his mother's death. Correct. He, he begins his quest to uncover the truth about his mother's death. And in, in, in my book, she's called Princess Christina. And, you know, I, let me just say this, you know, like I set his birthday on the solstice, which is June 21st and 22nd, and uh, Princess William's birthday is on June 21st. There are all these little clues I put in there to uh, people who are really interested in that kind of thing. But anyway, so, so then, you know, he, he gets this, DVD, there's a DVD taker underneath the table, so he goes home, and then can I just read a little excerpt from that? Yes, please. Okay. So it says, Once in his penthouse, James dismissed his butler. I need absolute privacy until morning. James locked his bedroom door. He examined the DVD. Nothing was written on it. What could this DVD contain that required so much stealth? He placed it in his digital player and hit play. Noise filled the screen. Then an image of his mother appeared. Christina was wearing an elegant blue satin evening gown. She looked neither happy nor sad, but ever so vibrant and alive. Tears ran down James' face as he heard her voice. Bunny, dear, happy, happy birthday. But if you're seeing this, something dire must have happened to me. Listen, darling, you're the only one to tell my story, the true story. Because whatever they told you, whether it was a suicide, an overdose, or an accident, don't believe them. It was murder. I have arranged for you to receive, receive this when you turn 21. Remember, trust no one. Remember me. Avenge me. And then that basically starts uh, James on his quest to find out the truth. Uh, I think the last couple of sentences of that chapter say, James had landed on a haunted shore inhabited by ghosts, beckoning him to explore. But what might be waiting there for him filled him with despair. Because what might be waiting for him is the knowledge that members of his own extended family were responsible for his mother's death. Exactly. What a nightmare. Now, obviously now we're into the, the realm of speculation, but if... Princess Diana was in fact murdered, and I think there's a pretty strong case that can be made. Mm -hmm. Do you think Prince William is aware and that perhaps he has sort of undergone a similar journey as Prince James in your book, that he is trying to find out who killed his mother? You know, I don't know how much credibility you give, give the tabloids, but when this was happening, or soon after it happened, these tabloid stories would say that Prince William feels there, there are too many unanswered questions about his mother's death, and he wants to find out. Then, later on, I read that Prince William had hired a, a retired MI6 operative to investigate what had really happened. You know, there are a number of nonfiction books that are published in England that, that talked about what really happened, and it's kind of like, um, you know, the Kennedy assassination. You know, there's a standard... Um, explanation of what happened, and then there's something else that doesn't get as much play. 
I think the same thing is happening here. For me, the most compelling piece of evidence on what happened to Chris Diana that night was the delay in getting her to the ER. Yes, yes. She did not, yeah, she did not die in the tunnel. A lot of people think that. She was talking, she was lucid, yet it took them 108 minutes to get her from the, the tunnel to the ER. At one point, the ambulance pulled over to the side of the road, I think opposite a, a museum in Paris. Now, of course, they say, well, our protocol is very different. We stabilize and versus in North America. You scoop up the accident victim and you rush them to, to hospital as quickly as you can. They, they claim officially they have this different protocol, but that it just on the surface, it doesn't make sense. Well, you have to remember, you know, that in Paris, they have doctors on the ambulances. The doctor comes, takes over her care. He took her blood pressure and even testified her systolic was 70. Now, a lot of people aren't going to understand what that means, but it means her blood pressure was like 70 over 50, which is very low. That indicates internal bleeding, which is what it eventually would eventually uh, kill Princess Diana. And there's no way they can deal with the internal bleeding in the ambulance. They have to get her to the ER and operate on her and stop the bleeding. But like I said, 108 minutes, 109 minutes, it was just, it, it upset me. Because I know, the, I used to work in ER, and I knew, I know the protocols, and it should be, they had to get her to the ER and operate. Right, they wanted her to bleed out, which she did, obviously. Either there's incredible incompetence, or there's something even darker there. And I don't think any doctor is that incompetent, especially if he's working on the ambulance. So, there are a lot of questions, like you say. I mean, you know, they stopped 200 yards from the hospital for five minutes. So there are a lot of things, like Prince William says, there are a lot of questions without answers. And I want to find out what's going on. And as is so often the case, when there should have been ample video footage, because the Alma Tunnel has security cameras all over the place, as you can well imagine, lo and behold, lo and behold, that night they weren't operating. Yes. I, did, I didn't put it in the book. There, there were tw- I did put this in the book. There are 28 uh, video traffic ca- cameras along the route, yet all of them seem to be have been turned off for maintenance. Yet I've read in other books, I didn't put this in my book, but I read that yet there was somebody who, who was driving on that route who got a traffic ticket from the traffic camera. So they obviously, they were on for him, hmm. but not for Prince Diana. I'm Andrew Gold, a fallen BBC journalist interviewing the heretics and rebels brave enough to speak out against mainstream narratives. Here's Coleman Hughes, John Ronson, and the Trigonometry podcast guys bringing controversy to the fore. How do you feel if a person of a different race moved in next door? I spent a while with a politically correct faction of the Ku Klux Klan. The system punishes people for wrong think. It's heartbreaking. Here's My Unorthodox Life Netflix star Julia Hart on getting out of a Hasidic Jewish cult. Why can't I be okay with being silent and subservient? Everyone else is. And biologist Richard Dawkins on trans activism. It's perfectly legitimate to say, I'm a man, but I feel feminine. But to then say, therefore I am a woman, is just a betrayal of language. Now it's your turn. Rebel against the mainstream and find a home in this sensible alternative space by subscribing to Heretics Podcast. So in your book, The Death of the Queen mm-hmm. of Hearts, walk us through what happens with, with Princess Christina. Basically, I had to put in some flashbacks with her in the scene so that people could buy into her compassion and her personality because in order for them to be interested in her death, they had to see her in life. So I had a number of flashbacks, like four flashback scenes between her and Prince William. I think the most, 
important one of the compelling ones was there's a scene where uh, Prince James kills his first deer. And there's an old hunting, hunting rit- ritual that they paint your cheek and forehead with blood and then make you bite, bite the heart of the, the deer. Yes. Well, he's with his grandfather, and in this case it's uh, Prince Richard. And right as he's about to bite into the heart, his mother screams, What have you done? And uh, so she, she stops him from doing that, and uh, I can read a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Okay. She says, a doe. You shot a doe. That's against the law. Prince Richard, not on this estate. And what of her fawns, you old fool? Ignoring him, she twisted back to James. James, I'm so disappointed. I can't believe I shot the damn beast, Richard shouted. Like emerald lasers, his mother's eyes found her son's. James quickly bowed his head and stared at the ground. Princess Christina, is that true? Is it? James raised his eye, but he knew what he would see. His mother possessed that gift of all great actors. Whatever feeling or thought was immediately shouted from every pore. He called it emotional transparency. The look he often saw was of love, affection, and encouragement. That real love was unselfish, involved sacrifice, and most of all, the truth. In her youth, Christina admitted to being obsessed with Bob Dylan's early songs. She believed listening to his lyrics couldn't help but be a good influence. And her favorite line was, to live outside the law, you must be honest. The truth. That mattered more than anything else. That's what she wanted, and it blazed like a pure light within her. Wow, pretty powerful. Well, you, you know, as a writer, you know, when you write a book, you put a lot of yourself, a little bit of yourself in all the characters. And I grew up being a real big Dylan fan, so I, I loved to, you know, put a quote of his in there. What song is that from? Absolutely Sweet Marie. Ah. It's on, it's on Blonde on Blonde. Okay. I, I, wasn't familiar with, I wasn't familiar with that line. It's a good one. To live outside the law, you must be honest. Back to Christina, Princess Christina. Mm-hmm. Just walk us through her final hours in the book. She had gone to dinner with a character, Ali Hassan, and they were eating at the Ritz Hotel. And then they decide to go to his apartment. So they're driving along, the, um, they're driving along and the driver of it is a man named um, Cromwell Clay Bauer. The mirroring is very close here. So obviously, Princess Christina was uh, dating a Muslim, in this case, Ali Hussein instead of Dodi Fayed. They are in right. Paris. They are at the, uh, the Ritz-Carlton having dinner. And do they go through the Alma, uh, Alma Tunnel? Well... I didn't set it in a tunnel. I set it on a bridge. My, my pillar says, you can't make it that close. Uh, so they said okay. you have to change a little bit. And, but anyways, what happens is, is there was a crash on the, on the bridge, and people say it was the paparazzi that, that caused the crash, but that's not true. The paparazzi were a mile behind Christina's car. There was a high-powered motorcycle with two riders, a white Fiat and a, another black and a black Mercedes. They were tailing them and forcing them to speed up faster and faster. Then, according to witnesses that saw what had happened, the uh, motorcycle got in front of, as they got to the Alma Tunnel, there was a white Fiat wing, and then the motorcycle with two riders got in front of them, and um, the rider on the thing turned around and flashed this anti-personnel flash, which blinds the, uh, which blinds the driver. So he's blinded, and then at the same moment, the white Fiat is shoving the Mercedes to the left. Uh, in the original photographs of the crash, there's a white streak of paint all along the right-hand side of their car. But I noticed in, in more recent photos of the crash, that white paint streak has been airbrushed out. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so anyway, so then uh, the crash happens. 
Um, the driver and Ali Hassan were killed immediately. The bodyguard in the front right seat and Princess uh, Christina survived. And then the ambulance comes. And like I said, she had low blood pressure, which indicated internal bleeding. Yet the doctor kept her in the tunnel for 40 more minutes. Finally, he loads her into the ambulance. Then he tells the driver, go five miles an hour. And this is 2 o'clock in the morning. All this, it just seems like a, a, it's a cautious delay tactic to prevent uh, Princess Christina or Princess Diana from getting to the ER. And like I said, once she finally got there, she was barely alive. She was bleeding out. And once she got to the ER, she eventually uh, succumbed to um, the, the internal bleeding. Why do you think the royal family wanted Princess Diana dead? Okay. No, like I never mentioned that this is set in England. I never mentioned that. It's a European country. Um, there are a lot of reasons. One, you know, I didn't put this in the book, but Prince Charles could not marry Camilla Parker Bowles and still become king as long as Diana was alive. Because he's had the Church of England, he would be a divorcee and be disqualified. Another thing is that they didn't want Princess Christina or Princess Diana to be the power behind the throne when, when her son became king. And I don't know if you know, but the, the royal family is very frugal. And when um, Princess Diana got divorced, she received a $25 million settlement. When she died, the $25 million went back to the two sons, so it actually came back to the family. Ah, right, right. And the last point is, um, Princess Di- they, they never performed an autopsy on Princess Diana, which is illegal. They went straight to embalming her. And a lot of people speculate that what they're covering up with was the fact that she was pregnant. Right, yes, yes. And therefore... The future king of England would have a, would have a half-Muslim brother. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Well, he's back. It's Friday. Christian Dicadieu, the real John Constantine of Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. Christian, how are you? Hey, Richard, I'm doing well. How are you? Terrific. You know, over the course of uh, the last several months, we've talked about your investigations, authentication, and then there's remediation, which we haven't talked about. Give me an example of how you remediate if someone has paranormal activity in their home. Well, there's many different ways how we remediate. Of course, the circumstances, the environments that we're working in all matter, and we all have to take that into consideration. One methodology that we use is uh, the usage of ozone, ozone gas. Now, ozone is quite, uh, it's like a double-edged sword. It's extremely powerful, but if not used properly, extremely dangerous and can certainly, it can kill plants, it can kill animals, it will eat away at the plastic lining of the inside of a fridge or um, the tank of the toilet and breathing it in yourself, it will bleach your lungs. So it uh, can be very dangerous in high concentrations. However, ozone starts off as an O2 molecule and then convert itself to an O3 molecule. And the only reason why ozone is legal is because it eventually 
it reverts back to an O2 molecule. So ozone is extremely effective in the elimination of paranormal entities because O3 ozone gas will completely destroy all bacteria, all forms of positive and negative energy and ions in the environment. So it is a form of airborne sterilization. So it's great to decontaminate and sterilize, deodorize, but at the same time, it's extremely effective to treat an environment in order to kill from any apparitions or remove any apparitions. Now, because it's a gas, I can also stabilize it. So what I do is I take high, high, high concentrations of ozone, and then I will take a tube, I'll stabilize the ozone gas into water. I will then take the stabilized, the water now that has ozone, high concentrations of ozone, and I will make that water into a wet fog. And I will completely fog the entire environment, ceilings, walls, floors, and the HVAC system, in order to ensure that all entities have been completely removed from that environment in conjunction with the ozone gas. So that is one of our forms of, of remediation and it's uh, extremely effective. It's a bit of a double-edged sword too, so you have to be careful, but it's always worked for us and our success rate with that is beyond 98%. Wow, ozone, who knew? All right, thanks so much, Christian. Give us a 1-800 number. I can be reached at one 724 or our email address is paranormalcontractors at gmail.com. Christian DiCadieu, the real John Constantine of Paranormal Contractors, a division of Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Or something like that. I'll ask Richard later. Author Roman Clay is here discussing the murder of Princess Diana. I did an episode on my television show on mm -hmm. Princess Diana, and I went to London and I interviewed Mohammed Fayed's, uh, then his head of security, who was former Scotland Yard, uh, McNamara was his name, and he, he ran security at Harrods department store that Fayed owned at the time. He, of course, was sort of the lead investigator on behalf of Mohammed Fayed. They didn't come up with the smoking gun. Uh, do you think it's out there? I mean, is there somebody who knows something, or do you think all of the participants were probably taken out by a wet team, as is so often the case? Well, that happened to the, the driver of the white Fiat. Yes. You mentioned he was fought. He was found later on um, in his car burning up, and they they said he was shot in the head. And they say he was the driver of the white white Fiat that night. Right. I don't think he knew what he was involved in. You know, it's very compartmentalized. But I figure if I know a small amount of what happened here, I assume Prince William knows a lot, lot more. But he's in a very difficult situation. The people that may be behind the death of his mother are very much in power in 
in the royal family. Princess Diana so, had left a note. It was sent to Scotland Yard. It was it was sealed. It was I don't believe it was revealed at either of the two official investigations into her death. She left a, a note with her lawyer, which was publicized. Right, exactly. That was publicized. Yeah, I, but it was like twelve years after it happened. He yes. waited an awfully long time to reveal that that note. Yes, and she basically said the same thing that your character Princess Christina said in that video. Right. I mean, she said she was going to be killed in a car crash, or someone was play, playing her death in a car crash, uh, manipulating the brakes, et cetera, et cetera. Look, if anybody, if any other woman had said that and then died of a, of a car crash, there would be an investigation. But in this case, there isn't. I mean, I kind of hope that if, when William becomes king, he may initiate some sort of investigation. You know, because those two boys are very close to the mobs. Yes, yes. Well, that's interesting because that mirrors sort of the JFK Jr. tragedy because it was speculated that he was going to run for governor of New York. And then from there, he was going to run for president and he had made it known to close to confidants that he wanted to investigate his father's death. And that may have been the reason that his plane went down. More more delay. Yes. Criminally delayed... um Healthcare. They they couldn't find him. You know, they were looking someplace else. And um, you know, I've I've seen a couple of uh, things on it, and they say that the there was another person on that plane with them. It was JFK Jr., his wife, um, her sister, her sister, and they said there was because they were sitting in the back, and they said there was an there was another person sitting in the front uh, right seat. And when they found the plane, that right seat had been pulled out. And they mm. never found that seat. Fascinating. A lot, a lot of people say that they that night they saw JFK Jr. in, in a paper, making phone calls. And it seems like he was waiting for somebody. And they, they say some people speculate it was another. It was a, a flight instructor. Hmm. So there's a lot of things. That that was so sad. On their uh, that's another one. I'm just so sad because. You know, I, I know that he said, if I become president, I'm going to reopen the case on my, my father's murder. That's right. Now, getting back to your book, The Death oh, of yeah. the Queen of Hearts, and the the driver, Henri Paul, who uh, drove Correct. them from the uh, the Ritz-Carlton through the tunnel where they met their, uh, their tragic end, it's been pretty clearly demonstrated that he was on the payroll for a number of different intelligence groups. He was basically an informer. Correct. What can you tell us about your character, who was sort of the Henri Paul? Okay, the character's name is Cromwell Clay Bauer. And I use Bauer because Bauer means pawn in in German, I think. He was the head of security at the Ritz Hotel. He was not a driver, yet that night he did drive. And he was a driver, and then, you know, he got killed in the crash. What was really interesting was when they took his blood and examined it, they said that he had a high blood alcohol content, and he had a carbon monoxide level of 24%. No one else in the, in the car, not Princess Diana or the, or the two other, or the other uh, people in the car, had any carbon monoxide in their, in their system. So a lot of people are speculating that, that was, they had changed the blood sample. It was not really Andre Paul's blood sample, but somebody else's. Because there was no way with 24% carbon monoxide you could even walk. Right, right. And then Andre Paul's family requested a DNA check on the blood sample to make sure it was his. But they were told the blood sample had been thrown out. Other funny things was, you know, he made, I think, $20,000 a year. Yes. Yet 
they found like $4,000 in cash on him that night, and he had made like an $8,000 deposit in his bank account like a week earlier. So people speculate that he was told to go along the River Zane, which is going away from the real destination. Uh, of course, he didn't know what was going to happen to him. I think he was trying to take an off-ramp off the, the road along the Zane and then head to the apartment. But those, I heard that those blocks, those uh, off-ramps that night were blocked. Right. So again, mirroring then, the Kennedy assassination, it was a last-minute route change. Uh, they weren't supposed oh, yeah. to travel through the tunnel. And in fact, they switched the cars last minute. And the replacement car, exactly. the replacement car had no seatbelts. Well, no, they had seatbelts, but they but they wouldn't retract. Two seatbelts in the back of the car would not retract. Ah. And I don't know if you've looked in. I've looked into it. Princess Diana's sister and her sons say she was a fanatic about her seatbelts. Fanatic. She would always have them on. And they were saying, why was it that night that she didn't have them on? Well, later on, they did an investigation. They found that seatbelts wouldn't retract. What about the brakes on the replacement car? Were they operating correctly? Well, supposedly, uh, you know, I read that, that witnesses at the Alma Tunnel heard two explosions. The second one was the car crashing into the pillar, but there was another smaller one before, before it happened. A lot of people say that there was an explosion in the engine of the, the car, which took out its electronic management system, which controls the brakes and the steering. That was that first softer explosion. Uh, afterwards, Mercedes-Benz said they wanted to send some of their people there to help with the investigation of the car to make sure everything was okay, yet the French refused their, their help. Because if there was somebody else in, involved with the engine of the car, like the EMS was destroyed, they would not They would see that. Right. Were, How do you suspect something like that goes down? Do you think that the order is uttered by the, the prince, Prince Charles, Prince Philip? Do you think that it's a, a wink and a nod and it's understood? How do you think something like that goes down the chain of command? Well, I remember that... From before, will somebody somebody rid me of this Nelson priest? Yes. You know, and they just say that, and then the people take it for granted. Okay, we know what we have to do, and they they uh, get rid of him. I'm you know I'm just a working person, so I really don't run those circles. But I assume it had to have some sort of tacit agreement from the very top. In my and that's in my book. That's you know that's what I kind of indicate. Right. Like I said my book is fiction. And uh, I have to leave it at that. Sure. I mean, I, I've always said this, and, and I, I don't think things have really changed that much in the world since the Middle Ages. The, the methods have changed. We're far more sophisticated. But I think the same sort of power plays behind the scenes still go on. And they occasionally, usually they're conducted in secret backstage. Occasionally, though, they spill out onto the main stage where we all see, can see them. But then, of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, then, the, the, then the cover-up begins. And, and so I think that monarchies still operate pretty much the same way they did. Now, instead of, no. you know, sending your soldiers in with a broadsword to get the work done, someone fixes the brakes or you, you pay off this person and so forth. But I, I think they, they underestimated the, on how the people would remember Princess Diana. They thought they could just slough it off and she would be forgotten. But unfortunately, I'm, unfortunately for them, that didn't turn out to be true. I mean, she is amazingly popular. And, you know, every time her sons come up, um, you know, everybody thinks about Princess Diana, you know. So it, they thought they could, like, really slough her off to the, to the darker regions of history. But I think time has shown that she's still very popular. It's been how many years now? It's almost... It has been, so uh, yeah, it's been, my gosh, it's uh, 22 years exactly. ago. Exactly. I know. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. 
How do people get a hold of The Death of the Queen of Hearts? Okay, it's published by uh, Jayco, and I sent you a, a link to that. And we made it so that uh, there'll be no mailing charges for it. No shipping within the United no States. Right, no shipping charges. Yes, unfortunately, they do not ship to Canada. So the people in Canada will have to get it on Amazon Canada if they want it. I hope people get out there and, you know, everybody can be a writer. If there's one thing I learned about this experience, anybody can write. All you have to do is just sit down, find the story, and write it. It is a real page-turner, to be sure. I enjoyed it, and uh, thanks for hanging out. I enjoyed this very much. Okay. Thanks so much, Richard. Okay. Before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be right back with a few words on what's coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. Since YouTube demonetized my channel, I need your support more than ever. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet next time on conspiracy unlimited a field guide to the spirit world the science of angel power discarnate entities and demonic possession until then i'm richard serrett so long for now New Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.